This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll hear from Dan Frakes, a former Macworld editor. We'll also hear from Alain Guillaume. He is going to talk about smartphone privacy. And Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have former Macworld editor Dan Frakes. And the reason I say former is that Macworld has given up the print edition. And unfortunately, some of our favorite writers have found themselves having to seek other avenues of work. So without going into great detail, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about it, Dan. First, welcome back to the show. So is this part of the way the publishing industry is going with Macworld? No more print versions? With few exceptions, it's hard to do a print magazine nowadays, especially a tech print magazine. I mean, you know, print has for Macworld has long been, I would say, I want to say at least five, six, seven years now has been mainly, or I should say was mainly, a sort of greatest hits of the previous month with everything that was done online. Most of what Macworld did uh, in terms of staff was all done for online. And then at the end of the month, we kind of took everything that was, you know, important, still timely, useful for somebody getting it a few weeks late and put it in the magazine. The print edition that people got at home was sort of like, this is everything we did in the past month that you would still find useful in print late. So it didn't have a lot of breaking news. It didn't have a lot of stuff that was that was super topical, timely, but it had a lot of how-tos, reviews, and things like that, the evergreen stuff. So that was um, one way to, to get around the fact that print is usually weeks behind the rest of the world. In tech, it's hard, you know, and it's, it's, things are happening every day and the big news from today may not matter in a week. So uh, I think that was a big challenge for a tech publication. Advertising dollars have dried up a lot over the years. And I think that's kind of what it came down to is that they, the higher up said, you know, Macworld, as long as it's profitable, we will continue to print it. And I think it, it says a lot about Macworld that we were still printing print magazines long after many others had closed. But the day came when, um, and it's a day we all saw coming, came when it just, it wasn't feasible anymore. And so the corollary to that is that uh, Macworld had a relatively, I, would, I don't want to say a big staff, but it had a, it had a good, well-paid staff that was m- many of them hired in the days when print was still very profitable. They could justify having a lot of, you know, well-known, well-paid people on staff. And when the print magazine went away and all the print advertising that came with it, I think it was not financially feasible anymore. And so, um, and again, it wasn't just Macworld. It was, you know, PC World lost a lot of people, uh, Greenbot, TechHive, Macworld, all of the sister publications in that division lost most of their people. So you have kind of a skeleton staff of editors, but mostly freelancers. Yeah, they've got, I think uh, Macworld has three people on staff now. One, which Chris Breen, a um, good friend of mine who's been with Macworld and Mac user since the 90s, he is still there. 
And then they brought over a couple people from other parts of the company, and they are running the Macworld website, which continues with a lot of freelancers. A couple of people I noticed actually came from MacLife. MacLife still continues as a print magazine, but I wonder how long that continues. But they have a smaller staff. It is mostly freelancers there. Yeah, I I believe it's the same way there now. They've got a few full-time people and then mostly freelancers. I will be surprised if if MacLife continues a lot longer for the same reasons I said about Macworld. It's just, you know, PC World, PC Mag, those all closed down over the last couple of years. Uh, it's, it's hard to have a tech magazine, print magazine these days. Well, think about newspapers. That's difficult, too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things changing, Macworld, iWorld on hiatus, which means it's folded pretty much. Well, they're, they've been very clear to point out that they're not saying done. They're saying hiatus. We'll see if it if it ends up starting up again some someday in a different form. But yeah, that's going to be tough as well, especially, I mean, with Macworld, the print magazine going away and tech conferences in general, you know, over the last, I don't know, five, six years, everybody in the tech industry has been talking about how tech conferences in a lot of ways feel like anachronisms in that you don't have to go to a conference anymore to get the latest information and to see stuff from the latest stuff from companies. You can go online and find it in, in seconds. And so that's been tough. And Paul Kent, the person who has been running Macworld Expo and the Macworld iWorld show for years now, has done, um, he did an admirable job over the last few years in refocusing the show to be less about a place for vendors to show their wares, even though that's also what it was. Increasing how much of it was about community and education, you know, classes, IT stuff for that, for, you know, people in enterprise. And it became more of a destination for meeting other 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 users and learning things uh, and that sort of stuff. And it, that's always been there, but that was barely been the focus the last few years. Uh, and so it was still a lot of fun to go to. But you know, for various reasons, they figured they, they couldn't do it this year. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next year and the year after and if maybe can make a comeback. Of course, they still have the Consumer Electronics Show. That's not a consumer show. I mean, contrary to what the name says, it's, sure. it's a trade show, right? That is for vendors and the press. And, um, and I mean, it's technically you're not even supposed to go if you are just a normal consumer. And, and it's also overwhelming, right? It's, you know, it's everything that can that has a circuit in it can be at the consumer electronics show and even a lot of things that don't. So uh, it's, it's not really a consumer show. And so it is going to be sad to see the, the loss of a good consumer focused um, show. Right. I went to a number of them before I kind of faded out when Apple gave it up. I figured it was time and I didn't want to be negative about everything, but I saw the handwriting on the wall and I didn't think it lasts more than a few years. Well, and yet it lasted actually for a lot more years than people thought. And the first couple of years after Apple pulled out was um, were tough. Those those years were it hadn't quite transitioned to a, a real, you know, uh, an educational and uh, social event. And it was still trying to be a trade show conference kind of thing. And and that transition, I think, was tough in those first couple of years. I think a lot of people were afraid it was going to die then. And then the last couple of years, it's actually been a very different show. And in a lot of ways, it was a, it was a really fun show to go to for the people who went. Um, and uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think once Apple pulled out, it was a very different. I mean, they, that was the big draw for years, right? Between the Apple keynotes and the Apple booths on the floor where you could see stuff right after it was announced. But, um, you know, Apple didn't 
Apple didn't need didn't need Expo anymore. They've got the entire world now. They stream it to the entire world. It's under their control. It's their release date. They don't have to meet somebody else's requirements for having a product ready. They don't have to introduce something six months early saying this is what we have coming out six months from now. Well, and they've also got a few hundred stores around the world where people can walk in the day after something's announced and see the products and hold them and use them. So the, the allure of Expo as a place to go see the latest Apple gear, it's no longer necessary for Apple. So Dan Frakes is no longer with Macworld. What have you been doing? I know you did a piece for our friends over at Laptop Magazine. Yeah, I did a freelance review of Yosemite for Laptop Magazine, and that was fun to do. I wanted to, to do something about the new OS, and uh, they asked me if I could do it. So that was nice. I've done a couple things for our friend Jason, uh, my former boss, Jason Snell, at his site, and I've been doing some stuff on my own blog. But honestly, I've been I've been relaxing. It's, you know, the whole Macworld thing was kind of a shock uh, at first, but uh, I also have taken some time off and done a little traveling, going on vacation with the family, and um, I'm hoping to... Uh, have something more concrete to announce in terms of day job soon. Well, good luck to you. Let's take a look at Yosemite. Okay. So it came out October 16th. Zillions of people downloaded copies. But before that, over a million Mac users had a chance at the public beta. Now, Apple said they'd cap it at a million. And during their media event, they were actually speaking of more than a million. So I don't think they ever capped it, did they? Well, you know, it's last week or was it last week or earlier this week? Anybody who was in the beta program received an email saying, you know, thanks for testing. It's 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 available now for use, blah, blah, blah. And in that email, it actually said more than a million people had signed up to be beta testers. So, yeah, I don't think they really had a hard limit. I think they they kept it open uh, and they're, you know, like I said, they're saying oh, more than a million now. We have Dan Frakes, tech columnist formerly of Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today is October 24th, 2014. Gold opened at 1233.30. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1278.54, 639.27 for a half ounce, or 319.63 for a quarter ounce. That's 1278.54, 639.27, and 319.63. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. 
Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 if you need to say happy birthday happy anniversary thank you or simply i'm thinking of you proflowers.com is the key proflowers has stunning bouquets like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99 Plus, Pro Flowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code PLOW. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Dan Frakes, tech columnist, joins us. He actually has a site, too, where he keeps a lot of his content or links to his content over at danfrakes.com. And we're talking about OS X Yosemite and the experiences with it. Now, a couple of issues there we're seeing with Yosemite. One, of course, is that just about every time Apple releases a new OS version, there's always some kind of network-related connectivity thing, like a Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi. And of course, we had... Wi-Fi and Bluetooth stuff with iOS 8. But with Yosemite, I'm reading something about a Bluetooth issue where you get some kind of lag. Have you heard of this? I have. I, I've seen a couple of tweets about it, but I haven't actually read anything concrete and I haven't experienced it myself either. I've been using the beta since July. And uh, like I said, we, like we said, I reviewed the, the version, the final version for Laptop Mag, and uh, I have not seen that myself. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. To be fair, but I'm just, I have not seen it myself. Well, I know that I have a Bluetooth mouse, mm-hmm. the Apple mouse, you know, the magic mouse. And I'm on it right now and it works just fine. So what can I tell you? But yep. then 
there's mil- millions of different computers and configurations out there. You know, it's it's kind of like the fact that they, Apple can release an OS that an iOS update that kills cellular connections on the brand new phones. Right. Released, you think? Yeah. Means that there are things do get out once in a while. So, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not happening for some people. I just would not be on the shoes of the person who was responsible for releasing iOS 8.0.1. I heard a public story about it being a certain person involved in Apple Maps. We don't know that for sure. But whoever gave the go-ahead has got to feel really embarrassed and shouldn't make an apology. But let's just get back to this Yosemite. So we, as you say, different strokes for different folks, different opinions and everything like that. I think one of the big disappointments, and I guess there's no choice in the way that it worked out, is the fact that the handoff feature. We have this tentpole feature of OS X Yosemite called handoff, where you can like start an email on your Mac and then go to your iPad and pick it up, vice versa, you know, different kinds of levels of communication. It's a 10-pole feature. It's very important. And then we learn during the public beta process and the developer testing that if your Mac doesn't have Bluetooth LE, Bluetooth 4 LE, it's not eligible. And that even one class of models in 2011 with the Bluetooth LE isn't compatible. So we're talking about Macs made 2012 or later. So tens of millions of Macs aren't compatible with this feature. What's your feeling about it? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to be, it's disappointing if you are one of those people. I, I, I don't think there's any way around that. If, if you've got a Mac that's 2011 and, and earlier, it's, you know, you're gonna be disappointed that one of the best features of Yosemite, assuming you also have iOS devices run iOS 8, doesn't work on your Mac. But at the same time, it's also understandable that if it requires particular technology to work, some older devices aren't going to be compatible. So, I mean, I understand the frustration about it, but it also is one of these things where Apple says, hey, we've got this great new feature. The only way we can make it work is with this new technology that some Macs don't have. Should we wait a year till everybody can upgrade more? Or do we just say, hey, here it is. Use it if you can. If not, well, sorry, but there's other great stuff in the OS too. So, you know, I have upgraded all, most of my... Let me back up a second. Usually when a new version of OS X comes out, my main Mac stays on the previous version for a couple months. Uh, my, all the other Macs, the ones I test on, will be upgraded through the betas. And you know, when the final version comes out, I upgrade. But I keep my main Mac on an older version, partially for testing, partially because a lot of stuff just isn't compatible yet and I'm waiting for it. Uh, but it's, it's usually a, a one or two month thing. Um, between iOS 8 and Yosemite, the features between the two, because I use these devices so much every day, um, I'm I'm jumping on Yosemite on my main Mac right away because I really love the continuity and handoff features. I mean, they're really nice and they're improving the workflows of things I do every day. And this is the first version I can remember in many years where that is true, where I really felt like, you know what, I want to upgrade my main Mac right away because this stuff is cool. Now, I kind of did half and half. I first tried to update my Mac when the first developer release came out. And it stalled at the end of the installation process. So I just went to my backup drive, restored the drive, and started again with a different hard drive partition. I also updated my MacBook Pro with the public beta version. So I kept up with it. After a while, things kind of settled down, and I went ahead and I finally updated the main drive on my Mac. So that's how things are. Mm-hmm. And are you 
liking the new features or do you have a Mac that's new enough to get to use all the, the new features? Well, most of them, not the handoff, but handoff yeah. is not something I really care that much about. You know, it's not like a critical thing for me that I start on one machine and have to pick it up on the other machine. I, I like AirDrop better. AirDrop and the phone features are, to me, more useful right now than Handoff. There, there may come a time when the Handoff features will be something I use a lot. I actually use Handoff between my phone and my iPad right now more than I'm using it between my iOS devices and my Mac. For example, I'll see a URL on my phone and I'll, I'll want to read the article and I'll be like, you know, I wish that. I had a bigger screen. So I just go over to my iPad, turn it on and open it in Safari there. So handoff for me right now is more useful in that scenario. But um, I'm really liking AirDrop between iOS and, and OS 10. That's a huge one for me, uh, especially I take a lot of screenshots and it's finally I have an easy way to get them back to my Mac. Um, and the phone features I really like a lot where you can call or answer calls on your Mac, even if your phone's on the other side of the house. So I, I actually like those continuity features a bit more right now. Well, SMS and the iPhone feature does work with the older Macs. As a right. matter of fact, I was just looking here as I was watching it, I was getting a message from a local restaurant that was sent to my iPhone. And there it is. It tells me there's some discount at a local restaurant. Yes. Well, just the fact that now finally... You know, when when Apple released the original messages, they said, hey, now you finally got all your messages all in one place. But that was only if you had an iPhone or everything else. You still only got the non SMS messages. So the fact that that my my Mac finally has all my text messages, whether they're SMS or iMessage or MMS, and I can send from those same things as well, like I can send to my friends who aren't on iMessages is great. I mean, it's it feels like we finally got the feature that they talked about you know, four years ago. Well, I'm sure it took a lot of crazy system ledger domain to have yeah. this interactive communication, reliance on the hardware. And I understand the reasons for handoff not working on the Macs without Bluetooth LE, because we're talking about, like the notebooks, persistent connections. It could use a lot more battery power. So it's not that you can't do it, but you don't want to do it in a way that causes battery life to decline, that causes negative consequences. Yeah, and it's using the Bluetooth LE for discovery and, and in some cases actually for the data transfer. But uh, if you have a Mac that's compatible with it and, um, you know, they, they actually work pretty well for a 1.0, I was a little worried about that. In fact, even when I was reviewing Yosemite, in the last betas, and even one of the couple of Golden Masters, a few things didn't work quite right. I was told by an Apple rep, don't worry, those will get worked out in the final version. And sure enough, most of the things actually do work pretty reliably in the actual release version of Yosemite. Uh, it's surprising considering that it, it requires particular sets of hardware and, you know, you know it, and it all seems to be working pretty well for me. So knock on wood. Dan Franks joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Minds think alike. The network for the independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three-square meal unit sale is just a ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long-grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 120 26 serving 3 square meals unit. One case normally 164.37, sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and 3 square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Dan Frakes joining us, tech columnist formerly 
with Macworld Magazine. We're talking about OS 10.10 Yosemite, all the things Apple done did, most of which came out pretty well. Yeah. Now, have you, I, have you tried the instant hotspot feature yet? No, because I have to set up with AT&T. Okay. And there are issues there about the extra data. And I don't want to fill up all the data and then find myself stuck with having to get a more expensive plan. So I'm following the cheapskate okay. approach. There's a columnist named Rick Broida from CNET. He's the cheapskate. And he would recommend, obviously, using as little of the data as possible. So I'm being careful about that. The only <laughs> symptom I find, I've duplicated this on two not necessarily new Max is with large message folders, message boxes in mail. After a while, it no longer displays the number of messages in that folder. Huh. Now that I've duplicated on an iMac from late 2009, a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro. Remember those 17 inches? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I duplicated it there too. It's not restricted to any one account. So it's with Gmail. It's with dot mac mail the icloud mail it is also with the email accounts that come from my web server so it doesn't matter but i gather it's because i have lots of messages and i think that's part of it i didn't have the problem with the earlier beta releases it just suddenly happened this bug appeared and i think apple knows about it and maybe this is one of those things that'll get fixed in 10.0.1 do you have any bugs and things that you've encountered Dan, that you'd like to see Apple get fixed real fast. I'm trying to think, you know, I, the, I occasionally have some handoff issues one, in one direction or the other where it doesn't work the way I expect. I'm trying to think of the other ones that I came across when I was doing my review. Um, most, a lot of the things actually were fixed on the final version. And, but, but most of the ones that I had before that were those little, little things where like handoff just wouldn't show up on, in, it would show up in one direction, but not the other. And those are actually have gotten better. I, I was surprised that mail seems to, no, I shouldn't say surprised. I was happy that mail in Yosemite, the initial version, didn't seem to have any of the problems that mail in the first version of Mavericks and the second version and the third version of Mavericks had. Um, you'll probably remember when Mavericks first came out that mail was having just tons of problems with exchange servers, with Gmail, with messages not showing up. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be the case this year. So it seems like Apple made sure that mail worked. It also seems to work better with my humongously large mailboxes. I have over 100,000 messages over several different accounts divided into a number of mailboxes. And that may be, again, why it choked, but it runs faster otherwise. So we'll have to see what happens. Haven't had a chance to use all their features yet. I've used the mail drop feature, sending large attachments. Yeah. That seems to work okay. Yeah. Except when you look at the sent mailbox, sometimes you only see the link to the message or the content, the attachment in messages I send with these large attachments. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how Apple wants it to, to be. They, they, they want it, they, once they, the way mail, for those who are listening, the way, the way mail drop works is that if you put a big file in a, as an attachment to an email, instead of it actually going out with the email, it automatically gets uploaded to your to iCloud. And then you get a link in the email that is then sent um, with the message. And so I think that the way that mail is doing that is that even in sent messages, it looks initially like you're actually attaching it. But then once it gets sent, the attachment is not in the message. So um, so I think that they're doing that on purpose. And in, in it makes sense logically, but I can see what you're saying is that Sometimes you go back to a message that you sent and 
that's how you access the attachment. <laughs> and then it's not there. But the problem is here, you see the link for the attachment, but the rest of the message is gone. Oh, so you're saying you don't even see the text in the message? No. Okay, I haven't seen that. That's Okay, odd. so I have one here. I'm looking at one right here. It was sent okay. on October 20th, and it contains a very involved URL for the message. Now, when someone receives it, they just get like a little square with rounded corners, and it says to click there to download your attachment. That's what they and, see, something well, like unless that. Well, unless they're running Yosemite, in which case... Yosemite automatically downloads that and it shows up as an attachment in the message. They don't even Absolutely. have to click. Yeah. Sure. But the, here, all I'm seeing in the message is none of the text, just the raw address. Did the person who received it see the message? They saw the message. Oh, that's interesting. So it's only in the sent oh. mailbox. Now, it could be an interaction with my mail server. I don't know. I'm using, and this is technical, folks. So when I say these things, maybe it'll be over your head. Maybe there's something with my mail server on my web server. We're using a product called Exum, which is a mail transport app that works under Linux servers. I don't know. It may be a bug with Apple Mail because I know that at some point in time early in the beta process, it was fine. But these are glitches that are not serious. They are not things that will destroy your Mac. And so they'll be fixed. I think time will tell over the next few weeks, how well the beta process worked in fixing up, fine-tuning the release before it came out. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and Apple's been catching a lot of flack lately for doing too many things and rushing things out the door and then having issues like with 801, like you said, like we said before. Um, but at the same time, Yosemite has, for me so far, been one of the better OS X releases that I remember in that there weren't huge show-stopping bugs right out of the right out of the gate that I've that I've heard of. I, I have seen a few people say that their wireless connections are, are faster than their wired connections. A couple things here and there, but they're very anecdotal. They're not. I don't see huge long discussion threads on Apple support forums about how this feature broke their Mac or how about mail, how they can't receive mail anymore or things like that. Where we seem to always see some of those after a new version of OS X. So I, I, I mean. It's this is, you know, you, correlation versus causation here. I don't know if this is the case or not, but it does feel like having that public beta helps things. Time will surely have to tell how things work out. But I agree with you. We're not seeing a large number of complaints and questions. Now, I understand that it's not as easy for Apple to have you do this on an iPhone, make a general public beta. Because then you have all sorts of complications if you decide it's not working and I need to get back to what I had. It's not that you necessarily have a spare one in your back pocket. So we understand they're not doing that. Let's get into some other issues here. Some stuff that actually you've raised over in your column. But first about Apple Pay. Have you had a chance to try out Apple Pay? No, actually, I plan on using it this afternoon. Um, I have, I've, I've read about all the, all the other people saying, "Hey, I've paid." Someone joked around on Twitter today. They said, uh, "What was it?" They were saying, "I used Apple Pay today." Is this year's version of, and I forgot what it was, but it was a funny joke, basically saying how everybody on Twitter is saying, "Hey, I used Apple Pay today, and it worked." So it seems to be working pretty well for those vendors who have it. There is a problem in the integration with Bank of America, where. The charges were taken out twice well, on I saw some that. transactions. I saw that. Yeah. And I, I saw the, the statement they made that it was actually on Bank of America's end that there were like a thousand, a thousand people for whom it, they were charged twice, right? 
Right. Now, Bank of America says it's Apple's fault. Apple said that they're looking into it. But a thousand customers out of probably millions who try it out, that's not as significant an issue. Yes, we understand that you don't want to get charged twice for something. It could also overdraw your checking account. Right. If it's a bank debit card, it could cause your credit card to go over limit, which is a no-no. You don't want that to happen. So we can see the problem, but obviously your bank will fix it. And if you're just a thousand people out of how many transactions, it can't be that bad. It takes us back to the Ben Gate issue, which is what we call it. Not Ben Gay that you rub on your shoulder. Ben Gate, where supposedly you were able to bend your iPhone 6 Plus. And it turned out to be nonsense. Obviously, if you struggle hard enough, you can bend it, but not under normal use and circumstances. So we hear all these complaints, and Apple says, well, we got about nine complaints on it out of the first 10, 20 million copies sold. And no one said anything since Consumer Reports did a test confirming that it's strong enough to meet Apple's specs, let alone normal use and standards. So it's not a problem, but there you go. The Apple problem du jour. Dan Frakes joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. one 888 Nine one two one five nine five. 
At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Have you ever noticed how many sick and miserable people there are? I'm serious. I'm talking about people of all ages who have conditions and diseases which affect their quality of life. Most of them seem to have one thing in common, polypharmacy. That is dependence on multiple prescription drugs with side effects that actually make them sicker and sicker, not healthy. The good news is that people are waking up to the fact that if you supply your body with all of the nutrients it requires, you will feel better, be healthier, and have a better life. It's important to know that Beyond Tangy Tangerine is the the most amazing, great-tasting, comprehensive nutritional supplement. Besides supplying all the vitamins our bodies need, it also supplies the necessary minerals that are required for the vitamins to kick in. Look, folks, I'm hooked on it, and I think if you try it, you'll become hooked. This stuff really works. That's why I'm urging you to make it part of your daily health regimen. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com to secure your canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine today. Sign up for auto ship and save on shipping costs. That's Beyond Tangy Tangerine at InfoWarsTeam.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. It's an interesting, Dan Frakes, how when little tiny things go wrong, and we're having, obviously, the issue with Bank of America. And we know that this is not a serious problem. It only impacts a small number of people. It'll get taken care of. But the media makes it like a big, humongous deal. Apple can't sneeze without it causing a blip in the stock price. Well, yeah, I think there are two sides of this. One is that if you are affected by an issue, you know, it's, it's immensely important. Right. I mean, if you open your bank statement and the hundred dollar purchase you made yesterday shows up as two hundred dollar purchases, that's a big deal to you. Uh, just like if, you know, you've got a Mac that's affected by a particular problem, even if it's only two hundred Macs, that's a big deal to you. Um, I think where the issue here is that, like you said, the media likes to make a big deal out of things like this. They, they're looking for the latest story. And so if suddenly using Apple Pay, you're going to get charged twice. If that, you know, that's a story, even if it's only a thousand people, um, it's a th- for those thousand people, it's a huge deal. But it, like you said, the banks are going to fix it. Uh, the issue is being addressed. Is this something that's going to doom Apple Pay? No, but it, it's a story, right? And that's with the same with the Bend Gate and, you know, all these things. There are occasionally issues, and that's that's what's 
frustrating, I think, from someone who tries to be to, to, to do the right thing journalistically is that if there's a serious issue, you really do want there to be publicized and you want people to know about it and you want companies to address those problems. But when every thing that somebody posts a video on YouTube becomes a news story, you know, it, it kind of it dilutes the 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 impact of of news stories. Right. Well, the other issue is here is you don't know when you see that video if it has been manipulated. You know, you may see a picture of somebody bending the iPhone and then you see a picture of the iPhone and it's bent. But you don't know what happened between those two scenes. You know, did he stick it in a vice or something and pull it down? Did he have help? We don't know. I mean, I think the guy has been on television telling us how he did this and everything like that. But you can't believe it. Special effects, man. It's possible. Like Square Trade, the extended warranty company, did their own physical tests of an iPhone 6 Plus to see if they can bend it. The only person who succeeded in that test was one guy who bench presses 400 pounds. And I believe he can bend anything. Well, so to be fair, I can't bench press 400 pounds, but I'm sure I could bend my 6 Plus if I try hard enough. The flip side of this whole story is it's not could you bend this phone? Or if you stick a thin metal and glass thing in your back pocket and sit on it, will it bend? Because of course it will. And, you know, anyone with the, you know, anyone who's, I should just say anyone knows that if you put a thin metal and glass thing in your back pocket and sit on it, it's going to bend or break. Uh, and, and I think that for me is what was lost in a lot of this is that uh, if the phone would bend very easily, then there would be a valid story there. But it turns out that it doesn't bend very easily, but it will bend and it will break if you abuse it. And that's the thing that got me about this whole thing is people, you know, get up in arms about the fact that, you know, newsflash, thin metal thing will bend if you force it, right? <laughs> of course it will. Someone made a, made a joke saying, you know, hey, people, treat your $750 glass and metal thing like a $750 glass and metal thing and you'll be okay. Well, that requires common sense. This is true. It's, it does. Um, you know, I, like you said, the, the, the Consumer Reports did that test and they went through and they tested a Galaxy Tab and they tested uh, Moto and they tested HTC, big phones. And, and they found that, yeah, you know what? All of them bend. If you put enough force into it, they'll all bend. Um, and so, yeah, it's I do think that, that some of the news media, especially the mainstream news media who aren't tech sites, uh, would spend a little more time. Um, trying to do a little bit of, of research on things like this before they would jump at him. Um, and then if it turns out that there was actually a, a, an issue, then, you know, go after it with all you got. But uh, if a guy posts a video on YouTube, that's not really a source, you know? Well, of course, we have the New York Times winning a Pulitzer saying, look at the horrible working conditions of the people who build your iPhone at all these plants like Foxconn. And the one question they never answered is, who else is building gear at those plants? Like right. HP, like Dell, all these other companies are building gear at these plants, too. Why aren't we blaming them? At least Apple came up in front and said, we're going to do something about it. I'm going to visit the plants, Tim Cook says, and we're going to do something about it and make sure working conditions improve over time. But I didn't hear the statement from Meg Whitman at HP. I didn't hear anything from Michael Dell. That's that's journalism, right? They know which ones are going to get the page views and saying Lenovo's factories use child labor doesn't 
make headlines. So there was a lot of good work in that in that series about the actual conditions in factories and stuff. But but like you said, the the drawback is that it got framed as this is an Apple issue when it's really an industry wide issue that all these companies have have been having and some have addressed it in better ways than others. But unfortunately, that side of things don't doesn't get doesn't doesn't get press. Okay, so we have the iPad sales are flagging and some people are freaking out. And now Apple has, I guess, made the new lineup of iPads. A little confusing, don't you think? They are running a whole bunch of older models with the newer models. And I guess they hope that the more comprehensive lineup will make it easier for people to choose the one they want, especially those in the budget. What do you think? Well, I think, I mean, the first thing is the iPad sales are flagging. I don't, I don't know if that is a really big concern right now because uh, Tim Cook mentioned this, but a lot of us have been saying it for a while, is that these aren't phones that people replace every year or two. Uh, once you have an iPad, it actually does a pretty good job of everything you want it to do for, for several years. And in that respect, it's more like a computer than it is a phone. So a lot of people, they bought their first iPad. Maybe they bought the second or third or fourth as an upgrade, or maybe you know they bought their first one last year, the year before. They, they're not upgrading every year. And so, as Tim Cook said um, last week, he said, you know, we're still figuring out the cycle of sales on iPads. Do people upgrade them every three years, every four years, every two years? Uh, so I think the jury's still out on that. I think we're probably going to see a lot of people buying more this year. I think Apple sales will go up a little this quarter. And I think it's going to take longer before we really see what the, the sales numbers look like over the long term. But in terms of the line, yeah, I agree with you. It's, I made a joke on Twitter last week that there are 22 different models of iPad right now. And if you include colors, there are 56. And that doesn't even include different models for different carriers because some of them are still, you know, have different hardware for different carriers. So there's a ton of iPads right now. And it's the first time I can remember since kind of the performer days when you you walk into a store and you're kind of overwhelmed with choice. Like, what do I get here? And I'm not a big fan of that. I think that Apple, Apple's one of Apple's geniuses in terms of retail and, and sales has been here's what we offer. If you want if you're this kind of user go here. If you're this kind of user, go here. If you want a big tablet here, if you want a small tablet here, and, and it was easy for someone to choose, but now they've got, they've got the original iPad mini, which doesn't have the retina display, which is basically an iPad two in a small form factor. They've got the iPad mini two from last year. They've got the iPad mini three, which is the same as last year, but with touch ID and a different color. They've still selling last year's iPad air. They've got the new iPad. I mean, it's just, there's so many different models now. And some people have said, well, the, I, the iPod used to have a huge thing. But the thing is, the iPod had distinct lines, and each of them was very separate and very distinct from each other in terms of what they offered. So if you wanted a $100 iPod, you knew what you, your options were. If you wanted an iPod with a screen, you knew what your options were. With the new iPad line, I think it's, I think it's really confusing. And it, it, someone mentioned, they said their theory is that Apple is just test marketing this line to see what price points people buy at, what things are important, and that next year they're going to go back down to, or even maybe as early as next spring, they're going to reduce it back down to maybe half what it is. And I hope that's the case, because right now, not only is it hard to make a decision, but I think they even offer a couple models, like the original iPad mini, that I really would like to see them drop completely, because they're just 
the user experience is not what it is with the rest of the line. They're talking there about $249 purchase price. They're going after the market who might buy a Amazon Kindle or a cheap Android tablet. And they guess they want to see what happens. But when you're walking into a store, the iPad mini, regardless of the edition, on the surface, it looks the same, pretty much. So you don't know until you look at the specs to know which differences there are. It's not the same as the iPad Air and the iPad Air 2 because they are different form factors. There are differences that you can see and touch. We've got more to come with Dan Frakes. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. This winter, next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel can be safely stored with your other supplies for many years and works in any gas-powered vehicle or backup generator. With the bitterly cold temperatures predicted for this winter, now is the best time to stock up on spare fuel. So go to GetSpareFuel.com. That's GetSpareFuel.com. GetSpareFuel.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I think the sum total of the iPad dilemma there is that Apple is feeling its way, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And that, unfortunately, might be some of the approach that a company like Samsung takes, which is to throw everything at the dart wall and see what sticks. And that's unfortunate, especially when you have three models that superficially look the same, except two of them have retina displays and one of which has a touch ID and other things. It's just confusing. But the other issue is, of course, the critics were saying, even reviewing the newer models, saying this is not changed enough to help sales. But they forget the upgrade cycle, too. Someone who bought an 
iPad in 2013, even 2012, they're not going to suddenly buy a new model. They might buy one as a second or third iPad for the family or for the business, but they're not going to just buy one to upgrade. It's not like a smartphone. Well, this is a common problem with the tech press, in my opinion, um, and mainstream media reviewing tech in that it's easy for us as people in the tech industry to get caught up in the new thing every year and how it compares with the, the thing we bought last year. And, and it's easy for us to forget that we're not normal people. We buy the, everything every year, assuming it's big, it's better enough than the last year, but, but most people don't. Um, and the, the, the press, the tech press even does this for phones when here in the U S most people are on a two-year contract. So you'll, you'll read these articles about the newest iPhone. They're like, Oh, it's just a speed bump over the last years. But the people who bought last year's aren't the people Apple's trying to sell to. They're trying to sell the people who bought two years ago. And then suddenly the comparison is, wow, bigger spring, spring faster processor, much better cameras, a new OS. I mean, it's, it's a big jump, right? So I, I think that as a, as a tech press, it, it, would be, it would be more useful to consumers if, we, if we, we kept that in mind, if we were able to step back and say, well, this isn't for people who bought last year. This is for people who bought two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. And when you looked in that context, the iPad Air 2 is actually a pretty phenomenal advancement. I mean, even over the iPad 4 from 2012, like you said, I mean, it's, it's way lighter, way thinner. It's much, much faster. It's got a better screen, better screen quality. It's faster wireless. It's faster. I mean, everything about it, it's got Touch ID has upgraded and it's a big upgrade. And for people who bought the iPad 3 from 2011, which was kind of like the dog of the iPad line because it was using to the basically the iPad 2's internals for the most part, along with a retina, discrete, retina display. So it was kind of pokey in a lot of things that, that, that demanded graphics. When you jump from there to the iPad Air 2, I mean, that's a massive upgrade, right? So yeah, these articles by people in the tech press saying, hey, this is the best iPad yet. It's great, but they probably don't want to upgrade from last year. I just shake my head at those because it feels so out of touch for normal people. Because you're not going to upgrade from last year. I mean, some people will. We, you know, tech geeks like me will, right? I mean, we... We buy them every year because it's our job or because we just love the technology and we want the latest thing, but we're like such a small part of the market. They don't get it. This is always the problem. And the other thing that bothers me about the tech media is they get their quotes. They need to have these quotables from wacky people like a certain guy named Rob Enderly, who has worked as a consultant for people like Microsoft and other companies, and they've got him talking about Apple and how do you consider a person like that? to be an objective observer. It's like, for example, they, they'll go to somebody like a Carl Rove, the uh, former Bush political operative, and they interview him about the current campaign for the Senate and the House. And this guy is part of a political action committee that is funding candidates for the Republican Party. So how do you ask a guy like that to respond in objective fashion to the political landscape. The guy's working for one side. You know, it's like asking Tim Cook to be an industry analyst. Yeah, I, I, I've never understood the choice of pundits um, when it comes to the, the mainstream media asking about tech. But um, those of us in the tech industry know which pundits, which analysts 
to uh, play stock in and which not. And I'll leave it at that. We won't talk about that because it makes too little sense. Let's move in for our final part of this segment here with iOS 8. Now, the big criticism about iOS 8 is that the adoption rate is not as fast as iOS 7. Now, let me tell you, as we do this show, there is a surveying company called Mixpanel that does web metrics to see which operating system, which hardware people use. And as of the time that we see this, which is recorded on a Thursday afternoon, about 53% of iOS users went to iOS 8. 43% some odd are still at iOS 7, the balance with other operating systems. Now, that theory is that's supposed to be bad, and that is in, what, about five weeks. Now, it may not be at the pace of last year, but how can you call that bad? Well, you know, Apple is Apple has a goal internally. I think they they and they they imply it publicly that every year they want as many people as possible on the latest OS because that's what they're supporting. That's what has all the latest features, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Compared to last year and the year before, yes, this is a slower adoption rate. But um, I I I think that the reasoning people are saying people are saying, oh, this is because they don't people don't want to upgrade. I think that's mostly wrong. And I think the reason, and I, I mentioned this weeks ago, and other people are also have said this recently, is that iOS 8, despite being a fairly, only one or two gigabytes in size of the actual update itself, requires, if you want to do an over-the-air update, requires over five gigabytes of free space on your device. And a lot of people just don't have that. And a lot of people don't realize that if you plug your phone into your computer and use iTunes to update, you don't need all that space. And so, you know, I, I say this because I've seen comments online. I say this because I have tons of friends and relatives and family and, and you know, other parents at my kid's school who've come up to me in the last month and said, yeah, I haven't upgraded because I says I don't have enough space. And that is a weird thing for people to say, wait, I can't upgrade to the latest OS because my phone's almost full. And so I think that is in the bigger problem for Apple right now is that a, people don't have enough room on their devices, and B, they don't realize how easy it is to just plug into your computer and do the update there. And, and there should be an error on the phone. When, when you see that error message on, your, on the phone that says you don't have enough space on this to, to, to do the update, it should also have a note there saying connect directly to your computer and use iTunes to do the update. But it doesn't. And it's too late now for the ones that are there. Okay, so supposedly Apple could speed that message over the air, you'd think, you know, as part of telling you that we've got an update. Oh, by the way, if it doesn't fit on your iPhone or iPad, go ahead and do it with iTunes on a Mac or PC. I suppose they could do that. Even then, I think the numbers are pretty good. There are also other issues involved, and it's not just the storage space. The issue here is that some older hardware is no longer supported. Tens of millions of iPhones and iPads cannot use iOS 8. And as a result, the number is never going to beat 91% again. I was thinking maybe 75 or 80%, assuming really good iPhone 6 sales, is going to be the ultimate number. Right now, it's 53%. I think by the time we get to the end of the year, it is going to be in the 60 to 70% range, and nobody should apologize for that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And in fact, I think that even fewer phones should be eligible. And that has been the case for the last three or four updates to iOS in that Apple always tries to push it back, you know, as far back as it can so they can say, hey, look, everybody as far back as, you know, blah, 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 can get the latest OS for free. 
And every year there's one group of devices that just run the new OS terribly. And so, you know, the old iPhone is it four or four S that can run um, I think it's is it the four that can run iOS eight? That it's, it's just the four S. Right, four S. And it's just it doesn't run well on those on those on those those devices. And even on the iPad mini, the original iPad mini, it runs, but it doesn't run great. And so yeah, I would rather Apple actually cut it off one later. I realize they won't do this for PR reasons, but I'd rather see them cut it off one device later so that everybody who's using it is happy. You know, it's I, I every year I have a handful of friends and family or and I see people on the internet and I hear at work in the office people saying, Oh, I upgraded my iPhone 4 to iOS 7 and now it's just a dog and I can't go back because Apple doesn't let you downgrade. Let's um, go into more of this in our final segment. Sure. With Dan Frakes, I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. 
1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit drortman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Dan Frakes joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The dilemma of being able to update your iPhone, your older ones with the new OS. And part of the problem is here is that Apple tends to still sell older iPhones. So they want it to be available on the one previous to the oldest model. Right now, the 5C is like the equivalent of the 5, right. the original iPhone 5. And that's, of course, the cheapest iPhone that's available right now. The 4S was reasonably current last year. So now suddenly, would you take it off the list? Well, that might be a reason. The hardware isn't quite up to it, but it's not that bad. Ars Technica did a test, and it takes apps a quarter of a second to a full second longer to launch. Now that plus the special effects, you know, the zooming and everything, might make it seem rather clunky. What I did with my wife's third-generation iPad is to turn off the zooming Right. Yeah. I mean, and every year, if you're using the oldest compatible version or oldest compatible device with the latest version of iOS, there are always tweaks you can make that make it a little better. So you, you can do things with it. But the other part of this actually is that it's hard for developers, too, because, you know, Apple does not and they should. This is an issue with the App Store. Apple does not allow, allow developers to make an app compatible by processor, only by device. Only by OS, not even by device. So if you've got, say, an iPod Touch, fifth generation iPod Touch or an iPhone 4S, those machines don't or those devices don't have a horsepower to run a lot of the, the apps or games that are compatible with iOS 8. So there's no way for a developer to say this can't be downloaded on an iPhone 4S or this can't be downloaded on an iPad mini original. And, and that's an issue because what ends up happening is that you see these apps in the app stores and the very first thing in their description is this huge thing in all caps, like with the asterisk all over it saying, this app will not work on an original iPad mini. And it's a bad experience for everybody. Developers have to worry about that. Most people don't read app store descriptions, so they download it and then they complain that the app doesn't work on their iPod touch. And so 
Apple keeps these old devices around and makes them compatible with the latest OS, but they don't allow developers to say, to say, hey, I would like this to not be compatible with an iPod touch. That would make it so that when they, somebody tries to buy it, it'll say, this is not compatible with your device. And then and they can't do that. So, you know, the combination of selling these old devices still and making them compatible with the latest OS, they're just on a lot of levels. It makes for a bad user experience. And Dan, do you think the problem is the same with Yosemite, that maybe Apple made it compatible with too many older models? Although I don't hear about performance hangups as much. Yeah, I don't think it's nearly as, as much of an issue on Yosemite. Yosemite works pretty well on older devices. It's just that there are specific features that require, like we said earlier, you know, Bluetooth LE or, or, or something of that sort, where those particular features just don't work on the new hardware. But the actual performance is pretty good. And that's you know, that's really been the case for quite a while now. It used to be where you'd update the latest version of OS X, and if you had an old Mac, you know, that was on the edges of compatibility, it would just be a dog, you know, and it'd be horrible. Ever since, you know, the Lions, uh, Mountain Lion, uh, Mavericks, all these, all the ones from like 10.7 on, they all seem to run pretty comparable. Um, there are some things with translucency and some of the visual effects that you'll want to turn off if you've got some older Macs, but the performance is actually pretty good. And I think part of that is 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 also the whole, you know, Moore's law thing and, and how fast processors are are advancing because on the desktop, today's processors are not revolutionary compared to ones from four years ago. They've they're definitely faster, but it's not like night and day, right? Whereas on iOS devices, the A uh, the the A8 in today's iPhone, you know, six is so not only just the the processor itself, but also the graphics performance is like twenty times faster than the A5 used three years ago. So it, it's a different it's a different system in terms of how much better performance is. And, and and you're right. I don't. I think that on Yosemite, if you've got a Yosemite compatible machine, unless it's one of the very very oldest ones, it's going to run pretty well. And we have to look here at the contrast. Like I have a 2009 iMac with an i7. Now, today's iMac probably runs 40% faster. And you'll notice that, especially if you're using the Fusion drive with the combo regular hard drive and the small solid state drive. But the difference otherwise is not that terrific except for certain functions. Now, the difference is, so you have the iPad 2, the iPad Air 2, and it's a tongue twister to go through that iPad Air 2. Say it five times fast backwards. It's very difficult. According to one report I read, I think it was the New York Times Review, saying that the performance benchmarks were in the range of a 2011 Mac. MacBook Air. MacBook Air. Now think about that for a moment here, where the A8 mobile processor in 2014 is now comparable to a three or three and a half year old Mac, but that difference is changing and diminishing year after year because of the fact that the speed of processor development is much slower on desktops. Mm-hmm. And you can only think here, what's going to happen when the A10 processor or whatever it is, is almost as fast as an Intel hardware? What happens next? Yeah, that's going to be an exciting time because then we're going to we're going to we're going to see if the the rumors from many many years back about Apple merging the uh, the desktop and the and the portable if they come to fruition because that's really what the big thing now is is performance. I mean, 
the desktop processors or the laptop processors, I should say, are, are still much faster at, at things than the, the current, you know, tablet and phone processors. But the gap is closing. Once that gap has closed or come close enough where it's not meaningful, the difference, um, that's going to be an interesting time to see what Apple does. Well, I think Apple's biggest argument there, if they're going to do an ARM Mac, it's not translating the software because obviously the iOS and OS 10 are kissing cousins. That's not a problem. That's a cakewalk. It is, what do you do about the transition and the emulation? Do you have some kind of hardware-based, maybe some kind of graphics chip that can grab hold of that Intel code and really accelerate it so it runs fairly decently on the ARM-based Mac? And what well, is I, Intel doing in the meantime? Because they have to see this is happening. They're looking at the same hardware specs that we do, and they've got to see that, you know, wait a minute. In a couple of three years, ARM's going to be about as good as we are. What are we going to do? Yeah, I'm, I think the bigger, the bigger issue from a user standpoint is not going to be the processor speed or translating the code. It's going to be the interface and input devices because right now, I mean, obviously you, you, you do things differently on a Mac that you do on an iPad, right? Whether it comes to typing or, or a cursor or touch or, you know, all these things are vastly different. You've got two different classes of devices with two different ways of interacting. And when the hardware is the same, then they come the big decisions in terms of user interface. How, you know, do we, do we add touch to the laptops? Do we add keyboards and mice to, or, or trackpads to, to the iPad? I mean, I don't think we'll question. see the convergence because that goes against Apple's grain. Dan Frakes, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Oh, you can uh, find me out for now at danfrakes.com and actually going forward. And, you know, I'll let people know where they can find me elsewhere from there. Dan Frakes, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. 
That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 with autumn in the air it's time to think about getting ready for winter and it's time to save at herbalhealer.com you'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season like oregacillin to promote lung health 30 capsules regularly 34.95 now only 25 dollars HHA Olive Leaf, the natural antiviral, normally $16.95 now. 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter, regularly $16.95. 60 capsules, now $10. Save on all our homeopathic detoxes. Choose from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body, normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy correspondence courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Alan Gai, and I know I'm mangling his name, but he's very gracious and doesn't worry about it. Because some people mangle Gene Steinberg. You'd be surprised what they do with my name. Some people say, Jeannie Steinberg. Don't ask me to explain how that comes in. Let's talk about the story here, because Alain is a security expert. And we're all familiar with the fact that these new iPhones, particularly with iOS 8, the data on them is encrypted. It's not like you can break in and steal the data. And the expanded situation here, and it's applying to the new Android phones too, is that the government says, okay, we want to access your encrypted data on your smartphone, they can't do it because it's so safe. And now we have a comment from people like the head of the FBI in the U.S. saying, you know, 
that's wrong. That's wrong. What's going to happen here if we have to capture like a, a, a predator, somebody who is a nasty person, and we need their smartphones to get the data? Alan, what's your viewpoint? Um, hi, Gene. I could have called you Steenberg, too, but I won't do that. But Well, they have other uh, names for me, but we can't say them on family no, radio. No, not on radio. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for having me. The, the big picture here is that uh, the federal government has the authority to subpoena the data of your phone from Apple or from your uh, ISP or telephone provider through the USA Patriot Act. So let's say technically the phone does encrypt your data, which actually protects you from hackers. So I think that's really good. If the feds want your data, they can take it without your knowledge. They just go to AT&T or whoever your provider may be, Verizon or T-Mobile or whoever, and they just subpoena that data. But what kind of data can they get from your wireless provider? Can they get the entire phone call or just who you connected with? Well, they can get several things. It depends on how you talk to someone. So let's say you use Skype, which is owned by Microsoft. So if you use a chat system, everything, they, they can take everything. That's a given. If you use a voice system, if the voice system is encrypted, it's actually very hard to get it. Um, so they can get any kind of data that, that goes through a wire. So obviously phone, chat, text, all of that they can get. Uh, voice, I'm not 100% sure. It all depends how complex they want to they wanna get it. And, and remember, if they really want to have your data, Gene uh, Steinberg's data, they just subpoena you at the end. You have no choice to obey. Okay, the other question I have about this is so-called wiretaps. Now, we know what happens in the old world with landlines, where you physically hook up something to the copper cable and you record the conversation. We have all these images of people with old-fashioned tape recorders sitting in the next room listening to the phone conversations of possible criminals to find out about their acts. But now, all this stuff is going back and forth, bouncing through cell towers across Wi-Fi networks. We have packets of data going back and forth when we have an online telephone connection. We have Skype as an example. So how do they do that? Can they tap that information? Can somebody listen to the conversation you and I are having right now? They can tap it. Now, it's not like the, the Cold War where they would tap into a line physically and listen live. Now they basically have to go collect the packets of data reconfigure them, and then they can reconstitute your entire conversation. Let's talk about Skype for a minute, because I was just thinking of something. On Skype, if we talk on, on, a, on a voice system, it is not encrypted. But even if it were encrypted, they just go to Microsoft and have them decrypt the whole conversation. When you use a phone, let's say from Verizon, I'm, I'm making, a, it could be any, any of the telcos, and you call somebody else who has the same provider, in essence, it is almost the same as a Skype because it's what we call a closed loop system. Why do you think you can call on limited people on limited amount of minutes if they use the same network provider as you? Because essentially it's, it's like a closed circuit. So in all those conditions, the data can be reconstituted and tapped in. 
Now, the question here is, does it have to be done interactively? Or is there a record of it after the conversation concludes? That's a really good question. I think uh, from what I know, the phone companies do keep records for 30, 60, 90 days or more. This has to do with their own internal policy that neither you nor I will ever find out because that data takes uh, space. So if the federal government has an internal mandate to the telco providers that says, you need to store all your voice conversations of all your clients for the next year, for at least 12 to 18 months, and then you can wipe out the data. That is the amount of time they have your data for. So they have it even if you call somebody and talk for 99 minutes. Absolutely. They've got that conversation. Boy, they've got some pretty big server farms. Now, the, yeah. does the NSA have direct access to these recordings? Do they have to call up the provider and say, we have this warrant for Gene Steinberg and we need to know his conversation with Chris O'Brien two weeks ago at 11.30 Pacific time? And Chris O'Brien, by the way, as some of you know, is my co-host on the Paracast. And so we have a conversation. They need to have that. Is that how it happens? Or are they just tapping into AT&T or Verizon's computers to get it interactively? There's two scenarios. One of them would be they serve the subpoena to the AT&Ts of the world. The other scenario, which there's speculation, it is pure speculation right now, is that some of those cell phone towers are actually NSA towers that capture the signal when you talk to your friend. Because earlier you mentioned wireless. Now, wireless is essentially sending a bunch of data in the air from point A to point B. If somebody has a sophisticated tool, and certainly hackers have that, obviously governments would have that to intercept that signal, they could listen to it live. So there's, there's more than one scenario. It's, it's much more complex than we think. In theory, they just serve the subpoena, but they do have the tools to intercept the wireless signals. Are you familiar with a movie of about 10 or 15 years ago called Enemy of the State, a Jerry Bruckheimer movie with Will Smith and Gene Hackman and John Voight? I love that movie. <laughs> this Yes, it's one of my favorite movies. And we see Will Smith plays this lawyer who gets a hold of something that they don't want to get out. And John Voight is this intelligence operative. And they're watching him everywhere. Wherever he goes, they can track him on his phone, where he's walking and everything. And on TV shows nowadays, of course, we have those ubiquitous security cameras all over the place. So no matter what somebody does, Big Brother is watching them on the security camera. They instantly play it back. And soon, no matter what they do, we could find who's responsible for the crime in 43 minutes plus commercials. So we have to break in a moment, but this is getting interesting here. How close to reality is that? It's very close to reality, and you don't need to be the federal government. If you use Facebook, and then we'll talk about it after your break, if you use Facebook chat, they basically ask you to give you to give them access to your microphone and camera. There's a little thought to scare you. Okay, so, so I I really should talk, then. So maybe, Alan, what we should do here is suggest to people they don't use Facebook. <laughs> 
wear uh, wear hats so that shields their face, or maybe dress like Batman with the mask, and then we won't be identified. I mean, at this point, you wonder. I want to get back also to the matter, and we kind of got sidetracked into general security of the encryption on the smartphones, like the iPhone. That's mm-hmm. upsetting the head of the FBI and all that in a moment. We have Alain Guy, and he's a security expert who works with a company called Digital Safe. Got more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three square meal unit sale is just a ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 120. 26 serving three square meals unit. One case normally 164.37. Sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about freeze dry guys fall chili special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the fall chili special and three square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the freeze dry guy, the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available for long term storage. Period. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. The human body is extraordinary. 
Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Alan, I'm getting fascinated by this all the time. Let's get back to the core question here. So okay. people like the head of the FBI are upset because of the encryption on the smartphones. Why don't you tell me if they really need to get the information, they can get it anyway, even if they can't retrieve it from that specific device. Is that correct? That is correct. Through the USA Patriot Act injunction. So why the fuss? I'll tell you why the fuss. The fuss is basically, let's go back to... The USA Patriot Act, essentially, after uh, Snowden's uh, blowout, did a lot of financial damage to all the cloud providers based in the U.S., which is essentially 95% of cloud service providers in the world. And a cloud service could be a Google, a Facebook, a Dropbox, or one of these companies. So what happens is that they're making a fuss because they want to show that it's really difficult to get the data. Because a lot of the foreign markets of Apple and Facebook and others don't like that USA Patriot Act. So if I'm based in, you know, in, in Switzerland, for example, I'm not a fan of the Patriot Act. In the US, I don't have a choice and I would accept it. So it's really more of a publicity PR thing. And of course, the government wants to have easy access. So it's twofold. One way, they want to try to minimize their effort to access your data. And the other way is to show that supposedly the big companies are really trying to make efforts and that your data is really safe. Well, here's the thing also that I'm concerned about here. Does that lulling people into a false sense of security? Yeah, essentially. It's a false sense of security because the average user is not going to go read the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act has a lot more to do, not just data. They can go to your house at two in the morning and take you for two days and then release you without a warrant. The Patriot Act is essentially they can take your bank account records without your know-how and just inspect them. So it's a false sense of security a little bit because at the end of the day, when you transmit information through two cell towers, the real power is the FCC. Federal Communications Commission. That's it. All right. So here we're seeing here that from the customer standpoint, they think, well, the iPhone, my brand new iPhone, my brand new Android phone, that's encrypted. They can't find out what's going to happen. But of course, if you're a pedophile, they'll find you. 
Yes, I think the encryption is good because it basically minimizes the risk from regular hackers hacking into your device. But you cannot be fooled by thinking that now you'll be able to hide from the government. If I may expand just slightly on that. Sure. Uh, a few years ago, and then I want to go back to Switzerland and why we're in Switzerland, because that's one of the options. You don't need to basically live like a cave person. You can also have a phone and things like that, but you need to use outside service, offshore services. But in, a while back, they were making those phones that were costing two, $3,000 that the phone itself was encrypted. There's even a company that makes a phone now, which is loaded with US-made software, which is ironic. It's supposed to be a Swiss company. It's called a black phone. And they charge you 800 bucks for the device. And they say it's encrypted. Well, the signal from those phones are identifiable. So if the federal government wants to check and really identify all those encrypted phones, they target you right there. It's like having a, an identifier on yourself. So the feds can always get the data. That's the bottom line. These encrypted devices are great so that the malicious hackers cannot get your data easily. For the regular person, and we hope they're doing things in a lawful fashion, what steps should they take to protect themselves? All right. So for a regular person, if you really don't want your data uh, subpoenaed by anyone, then you should use a non-US-based cloud service. So typically a European one or Swiss, like ours. So if you're trying to protect yourself for privacy, if you use a US cloud service, you're never going to get it. If you're trying to protect yourself from hackers, then it's good to have an encrypted phone. You need to use a password manager to use different passwords. So you don't use the same password to get into your websites and, and services and phone. I mean, all those things we can discuss, but essentially one of the services that you could use would be ours, which is Digital Safe, and it's based in Switzerland. Ironically, we are developing actually a version of a Skype. It's like a Skype and a WhatsApp all put together called Private Talk, and that is stored in Switzerland. So when your data is stored in Switzerland by a Swiss company, Nobody can go subpoena that data because the U.S. has no jurisdiction. And according to the Swiss privacy law, you would really have to commit a, a huge crime in Switzerland for a federal judge to come to us and subpoena your data. So that is the ultimate of privacy. Okay, that's the data you put in the cloud. Now, what kind of stuff are you putting up in there? Your, your contacts, your emails, your photos, yeah. what? You basically, Digital Safe does, does three, four things. It's got a password manager, so you can put your existing password or, or create new ones with that service. So you put all your passwords. I have all my e-banking, my uh, rewards cards and services, all my online system. Whenever I need a username and a password, I store it in Digital Safe. Then it also comes with a secure email, which is also encrypted. And it's stored in Switzerland. So it has my email and I don't need to go and use a Gmail or something like that. And then I also back up data and I can do file share. So I have a medical record, banking, credit card info. I have photos. I have all sorts of documents, basically insurance papers. I also use it for work. So I have all my contracts, my proposals. I put everything in digital safe. And then I can have access to it 
from any device because it's 100% web-based. And then at the end of the year, I'll be able to use the same product to use it like a Skype so I can do chat, video, and voice. Now, do you cater primarily to the enterprise with your service? No, we have. We started actually for the individuals, and now we just launched a few months ago for small, medium businesses and enterprise. We typically, we work with telecom companies as well, banks. So we have three packages for individuals. They start at seven bucks a month. And then the size of the safe itself increases the price. And then for small businesses, if you have five people or more, you know, or two, three, two, three people and the micro business all the way to hundreds of people, then you go to the business packages and it does the same thing. You can also create groups and things like that. It's a collaborative tool at that point as well. So when these companies start working with you, is that a way for them to sidestep possible government intrusion? Yeah, it is. It's basically, you know, you have pharmaceutical companies, for example, that don't want the competition to somehow get a hold of their formulas or what have you, their next medicine. So companies that are very big in keeping their intellectual property private, whether it's financial, you have lawyers, finance guys, medical people, we're HIPAA compliant. So we comply with the healthcare uh, privacy laws and uh, we're PCI compliant as well. So yeah, it's not necessarily to get away from the government. It's basically to have privacy because a lawyer can go and subpoena your data. You don't need a federal judge for that. And that's dangerous. Well, we're going to have to watch ourselves, I think. I'm online all the time. I'm on the air. Boy, they know about me. They know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. Thank heavens I'm not doing TV because then they'd know what I look like. Alain, <laughs> please tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you if they want more information about your system. Well, they can go to our website at www.digitalsafe.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-S-A-F-E dot com. Uh, they can contact us through the support form that we have there, or they can just buy a safe right there. And let me add something. They can also contact us at sales at digitalsafe.com, and we'll contact them back. But what I do, by the way, I never give my phone number and email through Facebook, LinkedIn, or any of these social uh, medias. Okay, so we can't find you if we want to. Absolutely. Alain Guiai, thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. It was a pleasure. Alain also asked me to mention to you that he has a special offer for listeners of the Tech Night Out Live. You can get a free trial of their digitalsafe.com service. And all you have to do is use the coupon code DSFREE30. That's a 30-day free trial, DSFREE30. Go to digitalsafe.com slash pricing, pick a paid plan, choose monthly billing as a default, use that coupon code, and you have 30 days free of charge. America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. 
We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Jeff Gamet of the Mac Observer joining us, and we've got such a range of things to talk about. And I wanted to focus, first of all, on, I guess we'll call it, Apple's iPad dilemma. So we see that sales are flagging of the iPad. Apple obviously is making a reasonable effort to upgrade the product. And some of the critics are saying, of course, that maybe Apple didn't upgrade it enough, but I think they're forgetting that someone who bought an iPad last year isn't buying a new one this year unless they're buying an additional product. So let's start with that. Do you think the critics doth protest too much? I think the critics do protest too much in this case. If if we're still having this problem two years from now, then maybe we should look at this this argument again. However, right now, I think Apple's in the position where they finally have enough data that they can start figuring out what buying patterns really are for the iPad. It's I mean, it was a totally new product category for for Apple. And there really wasn't good data from any other company on how consumers are going to buy tablet devices. So we're we're in what year five now? Is that right? It started in 2010. So this is I guess starting the fifth year. So we have about five years of well, four years going into five of data on how people are using and what they're uh, their iPads and what their purchasing habits are. So Apple can finally start figuring out exactly how this this is going to play out because it's not the same as as the iPhone. You're right. People in many cases don't have 
much of a need to upgrade from an iPad Air to an iPad Air 2, unless they're they're like, oh, I have to have Touch ID. My life will end if I don't. Well, of course it will. We have to understand that. In fact, Apple should do the commercial. Your life will end if you don't get an iPad 2 with Touch ID. Forget it. Yeah. And, and But what we've seen is that Apple does these product updates where they're adding in new features. And in many cases, the next model isn't one that's appropriate for a current iPad owner to buy. But the one after that may very well be. Like I skipped iPad 4. There was no reason for me to buy that. But when the iPad Air came out, jumped on that. And now, while I would love to have an iPad Air 2 because because Touch ID is really useful for me and the increased performance, I I mean, I look at those and I'm like, yeah, these are actually things that I can justify, but I don't know if I can justify it enough to turn around and buy another iPad now, especially with an Apple Watch coming out in, in just a few months. Yeah, we're we're at a point where I think that Apple can start gauging what the leapfrog cycle is for for iPad buyers and they can start really figuring out how to to exploit that in in a good way. So, yeah, I think we'll see big iPad Air 2 sales this year and going into next year because we have all these people that that are on iPad 3s and 4s that are prime for for updating and many of them may have already had like an iphone 5s or bought an iphone 6 and so they like having touch id sure i i think sales are are going to go up for the ipad mini not so much because really the only significant change is that it now has touch id well the other thing about the ipad mini some people will wonder and say you know what i can go buy iPad 6 Plus. It's not as big a screen, but it's plenty big, but I also have the smartphone attached. And with the service contract, it's a little cheaper. There you go. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that is exactly the right choice. And actually, now that I think about it, um, the small upgrade to the uh, to the iPad mini line, just adding Touch ID, may have been very intentional so that it doesn't eat into iPhone 6 Plus sales. So they're really considering the iPhone 6 Plus to be more important because in the end, unsubsidized, it costs more than the iPad mini. Apple makes more money from it. And if they're going to have products cannibalize products, it might as well be their own products. Yes, that's true. And, uh, and and this is actually something Tim Cook has said in the past, where if, if you're going to have cannibalization, it might as well be your another one of your own products. And uh, and what 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 a great problem to have. Well, the other question I have to ask is those who think that maybe the. Amount of changes in the new iPads aren't sufficient. What did they expect Apple to do? Did they expect Apple to make a circular iPad? Well. The, the whole thing with people saying that uh, that the the changes aren't enough and they aren't good enough or, or they aren't sufficient. We get this every single time Apple rolls out a product update and there are people that would st- 
still be disappointed if Apple had said, here's the new iPad Air 2 with a holographic display and uh, and it actually floats in the air and follows you everywhere you go, anticipates your every need, has infinite storage, has... Uh, and and has the ability to to charge itself automatically and it only costs fifty dollars there still would be people that would be like no unicorn well yeah they'll say look what they'll say is if you say engage it should take you to warp drive that will be the satisfactory ipad but even then they won't be happy because it'll be like only warp five fail right it's got to be warp seven or bust that's right and, and uh, oh, it's using the old dilithium matrix. Never mind. But the thing they continue not to understand here is that this is a platform on which to run your apps. And the most important yes. thing to sell is not the Touch ID even, or the faster processor that really very few people will notice in normal use and service. It is the great apps that come on it. The fact that Apple has 675,000 iPad apps. 675,000. Now, nobody else comes close. There was a dumb article in the New York Times. The gray lady has really fallen down in technology coverage since David Pogue left. And they're complaining, well, I can't find things to do on the iPad. And I thought 675,000 apps. You have Office for iPad. You have iWork. You have various types of Adobe apps. You have Pixelmator, another graphics editing app. For iPad just came out for what? Just a few dollars? Five dollars. It's amazing. And the thing does most of what you need and probably 80 or 90 percent of what people expect Photoshop to do. And you, without the stuff that only power users or professional graphic designers will care about. Right. And uh, and, and yet there are people that are going to complain. Well, like you said, oh, I can't find any apps or or. There's not enough apps. Well, if, if they have all the apps that you need and you've loaded up all the apps that you want, it doesn't matter how many more there are. To the critics, there should be another 10,000 apps, but also it's a matter of the lack of comparison. Because when they evaluate an Android tablet, it's never about the apps or the elegance of the operating system, both of which do not exist on that platform. It's about... Oh, it's got quad core, it's got this core, that, and it's got more memory. Okay, how well does it perform? And by the way, where are the apps? Yeah, and that's that's a big thing. And that's a very interesting, I'll call it a philosophy regarding the devices. Because it seems like for Android, it really is about specs. Whereas for the iPad... And well, and all iOS devices, it's about the experience. And Apple makes that very clear in their commercials. And if you look at uh, a commercial for, say, a, a Samsung tablet, it's not about the experience. It's about we're not Apple and here's what the hardware is. And look at this dumb feature like tilt to scroll that doesn't work. And we've got a fingerprint sensor too on the Galaxy S5. It doesn't work. Well, when and has Samsung even responded to that? Let's do our break. Jeff Gamut from the Mac Observers here. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's Powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. 
If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Jeff Gamut from the Mac Observer is here. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Let's focus on the other issue that the critics are seizing on, that maybe the adoption rate of iOS 8 is not good enough for them. Now, let me point out here, I'm using a site called Mixpanel, which does web metrics. On the basis of web metrics, they guess how many people are using a particular product or a particular operating system. And as of this weekend, and of course the show is being done on a Friday, they're reporting that 53.15% of all iOS users have gone to iOS 8. And it's pretty darn good. I mean, Microsoft doesn't achieve that kind of migration rate. I think Windows 8 is what, up to 14% now? Android never gets anything near that. But the reason they're complaining is that iOS 6 and 7 were over 60% at this point in time. Is this something to be concerned about? No. If this was a situation where only 20% of people had migrated to iOS 8, then I'd be more concerned. But the fact that that we have not as many people have migrated to iOS 8 at this point in the game compared to previous OS versions. Okay. What are the other factors that are playing into this? Uh, is, is this a situation where we now have so many people with with older devices that are still working that can't run iOS 8, that uh, that's skewing the results this time around? Uh, is, is there something else that's playing into it? Are people afraid to upgrade to iOS 8? If that's the case, then, okay, that's that's a big issue. And uh, yeah, yeah, why exactly is this happening? And unfortunately, that's something that I don't think these kind of metrics can tell us very well. So I'm not worried right now because it's not that big of a of a difference. And people are upgrading all the time. My parents called me yesterday. No kidding. And, uh, and you only hear said, from them twice a year, right? Right. And uh, and both times it's so I just updated this on my iPhone. Is that OK? And uh, and well, that was the question last night. Uh, my dad calls and he goes, "So I just updated my iPhone five C and your mom's iPhone five C to 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 this eight point one thing. Is that okay?" And, uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, sure. You know, it's fine. I'm running it on my iPhone six, no problem." And so they they held off for a little while, and I'm wondering maybe if there is a part of the demographic that we have now in the iPhone market that we didn't have before people that are less likely to even be aware that the updates are out. And when they do come out, they, for whatever reason, just don't feel compelled to update immediately because what they have is fine. And 
their first experience with knowing that iOS 8 is even available is when they get an update notification on their iPhone. And those update notifications don't happen on day one necessarily. They're staggered. So for example, on an iPhone, it will check, I guess, every week or so to see if there is an update. The other issue, of course, with iOS 8 is it's a fairly big update. After using a space-constrained iPad or iPad, do you like that phrasing, space-constrained? That was you, nice. You like that? You can patent that and you know share the royalties with me. Awesome. All right, good. But consider this. A lot of people have become accustomed to these over-the-air updates. You expect to sit there and you can just update your iPad or your iPhone. If there's not enough space, well, it's freakout time. But they forget you can just go to your Mac or PC and do the update there, and you don't have that problem unless you're down to less than a couple of gigabytes of storage space. But otherwise, for most people, you can get the update that way. The other thing is the fact that Obviously, some older products, of which there are tens of millions, cannot run the update. They can't get iOS 8, like an iPhone 4, for example, and some of the older iPads. Millions and millions of them are around. And, and that means still the, working just fine. Yeah. Right. And the ultimate migration rate is capped at that point. They're spoiled because we got 91% with iOS 7. I'm suggesting because of the hardware limits and a few other things, maybe it'll be 75 to 80% with iOS 8. That's pretty darn good. And, you know, I, I think that's totally plausible explanation for why we aren't seeing as many uh, updates happening this time around. And maybe we are seeing as many updates. It's just because we have those other devices that are still viable and still just chugging along, but they can't run iOS 8. It's just keeping that that data point down. And that's something they want to avoid because they want to make Apple look bad. And why is it that way? Is it the competition feeding some journalists to write nasty things about Apple? Or is it because we don't want somebody to get too large before we say they have to fall? Everyone loves seeing the, the, the hero fall. Everyone loves the whole underdog thing also. And Apple isn't the underdog anymore. So people- It's the top dog. It's the top dog. And so people really relish the whole, the whole thing with Apple or whoever it happens to be. In this case, it's Apple uh, being taken down a notch. So people are always looking at just people that maybe don't like Apple, but, but the media as well. They're always looking for that thing that they can latch on to. And they will create a controversy where there really doesn't need to be one. And I think the, the iOS 8 adoption rate is one of these potentially contrived issues. I think the iPhone bending is, well, yes, there is an issue with some phones bending. I think that's been blown out of proportion. And, and I think, we, well, look at the antenna thing that we had to deal with. That was... That was blown out of proportion. And it just comes down to here's something that that the media can latch onto, And they do. They, I mean, they're always looking for that little thing from Apple that they can they can turn into a big issue. Let's look at the other shoe and the other foot. There's a Windows 10 technical preview. Have you had a chance to look it over? I have been so busy that I have not. I have, however, talked with a few people that have been using it. 
I played with it briefly. And my impression of it is that it's as if Microsoft took the disaster that is Windows 8 and they did a couple of things to answer the questions and the problems to revert things back to older setups, such as better multitasking, such as a real start menu again, and more seamless access to the desktop layer, stuff like that. And add a couple of odds and ends, like a notification center and spaces kind of thing, a virtual desktop feature, and something called Task View, which is like Mission Control on the Mac. And that's an operating system. But it sounds to me like they've done the minimum necessary to maybe clean off the stench of Windows 8, but that's it. So what you're describing sounds like a whoops-a-daisy update, where it's it's designed to to make the previous version of Windows not so bad in comparison. Let's do the break. Not so bad? Who knows? Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the fields is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, 
Mexican, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day, take them camping, or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods, 30dayfoodsupply.com. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observers here. We're talking about Windows 10, and we noticed the psychological factor here. You didn't call it Windows 9 because that's too close to Windows 8. You called it Windows 10. Why? Well, I don't think Microsoft has a real answer except, well, you don't want to have the version number so close to the last one, so it seems like a minor update. It's a humongous update because you went all the way to Windows 10. You know, I think there's a psychological factor, and there's also something that I've seen a few places on the internet but have not been able to confirm yet, which is that... They had to skip nine because of the way developers check for operating system versions. So they were looking to see if you're running Windows 95 or Windows 98 or Windows 98 ME. And so they look for Windows 9 and didn't worry about what came after that for the operating system identifier. So that would mean that if you have an application that that has to run in a specific way on an older version of Windows or can't run on those older versions, that Windows 9 would appear to all of its applications as if it was Windows 95 or 98. I don't know if that's true, but hey, I saw it on the internet. Well, it must be true then. Then it must it's be true. It's a silly reason though, isn't it? But it shows a very primitive operating system design that you can't have two corollary Windows 9 versions without confusion occurring. Yeah, or that someone somewhere along the way found a, a, a lazy way to code, and, and, and uh, I don't know if that's the case. And then everyone adopted. It was like, oh, this is brilliant, because now I can check for all these Windows versions at the same time. Oh, yes. With the assumption that every Windows version would have a 9? Uh, every Windows version they cared about at the time. And of course, far be it from anyone to think ahead and anticipate that maybe at some point that nine might be used in a different way. 
Well, regardless of the reason, we have Windows 10. It still looks but ugly. It still has the same way of installing the operating system with these dumb messages and these stick pin figures and this very thin type. People complain about the thin type on OS 10 or iOS 8 and 7. It's thinner on Windows 8 and 10. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, people are always going to be looking for that thing to complain about. And right now, complaining about Apple is in vogue. Well, that's it. But let's talk about Microsoft's problems. Does Microsoft even have a solution here? I mean, it was a big play of the fact that they sold about a billion dollars worth of Surface tablets in the past quarter. Now, how many billions of dollars they sell of the iPad? And isn't it also true that because the Surface 3 cost more than an iPad, you could sell fewer units for a higher number in terms of dollars? Sure. Uh, but, you know, when, when you start talking about sales where, where you're tossing around terms like billion, then you probably have a product that that uh, that is competition on some level. Now, my guess is that the Surface tablet is more of a competitor as far as overall numbers go to Android tablets. But uh, uh, yeah, it's I, I'd say that the Surface tablet has moved beyond being just a joke to to a minor competitor in the tablet space. And that's good news for Microsoft because they they didn't need to have another Zune on their hands. And uh, and it's also, I'd say that's good for Apple as well, because if Microsoft can really get a foothold in the tablet space, then that means that Apple needs to stay on their toes and make sure that whatever they're doing with the iPad product line is better. And uh, and that translates to good competition, which ultimately translates to better products for us consumers. Well, we don't want Microsoft to fail. I mean, consider 18,000 people are already losing their jobs. That's a bad thing. That's a real bad thing. Yeah, I don't want to see people lose their jobs. And it doesn't matter what market it's in. It's that's just a, a, a crappy thing when people are losing their jobs. And I would like to see the Surface be a successful product. Uh, it's certainly not a success on the scale of the iPad, but if Microsoft can can have a, a serious foothold in that space, okay, great. There's there's plenty of sales to go around. I would also hope that Microsoft will learn something from the problems oh, that would they've be had. Awesome. Yeah, Microsoft has a lot of learning to do. Uh, th- this is not the the same world that they became the the giant gorilla in this is a world where where they now have to like seriously look at products they're releasing as and and focus on making sure that they are creating good products as opposed to creating the next product that they can fix later and and that's what, what they've done a a lot in the past they, they release something it's out on the market and then they just keep uh, iterating until they finally get it right and in the meantime they're still selling and i don't think that's the the market that we're living in anymore people expect products to be right when they ship let's move to the world of wearables okay so 
we have the Apple Watch coming out. Apple says early next year, which I presume would be what, February, March or something like that. Yeah, I'm guessing March, April. Okay, so suddenly it's almost mid from early or something like that. Yeah, well, you know, Apple likes to push that envelope. Okay, so they introduced this now. Partly, I wonder, not just to get developers on board with this Apple Watch SDK, but also to show to people who are skeptical that Apple is really coming out with a new product category. Yeah, I think those are both key factors. I think Apple also wanted to uh, to kind of drop a bomb on the on the fitness wearable market in time for the holiday buying season. And uh, people that were planning on grabbing, say, a Fitbit or a, or a Fuel Band or an Up are uh, potentially likely to wait until early next year and pick up what Apple has instead. So they, they kind of, uh, uh, or they may have screwed holiday sales for their competitors. That's called taking the wind out of the market. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Apple does release. And I mean, we, we, we know basically what the Apple Watch will be, but I'm expecting there may be some, some changes between what they showed us and the final shipping product. And, uh, and I think there's just so much potential here. And I think that Apple's competitors need to be really concerned about what the Apple Watch is going to do to this market space. And I think companies like Fitbit that, that aren't embracing HealthKit are putting themselves at a serious disadvantage in this game. The thing to look at also when it comes to the Apple Watch is up till now, other companies had heard about a smartwatch and they came out with their own based on, I guess, the existing ideas of what it should be. Now, of course, they can't suddenly rebuild those products to more closely imitate Apple Watch because it's already late in the development season. So you can't just start a new product until next year. So they've lost this holiday season. If they want, yes, to, they have. If they want this new product to be out, it's going to be for next spring or longer, depending on how long development times are. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking for a lot of these companies, they they are scrambling so that they can have prototypes to show at CES. And it won't be until next summer or fall before they can really get their products out. And by that point, Apple will be well in development of the follow-up to the Apple Watch. Or like uh, uh, the news just came out that Nike and Apple are collaborating on wearable fitness tech. Let's so, talk about that in our next segment with Jeff Gamet of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com 
That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, Use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Genesis is defined as an origin, creation, or the beginning. Genesis Communications Network began with the mission of providing you with the kind of compelling content you're listening to now. And at GCNlive.com, you'll find a free archive of our nation's history, narrated by GCN hosts. Explore, share, and pass down to future generations. GCN is the future of talk radio, but we should always strive to learn from our past. Together, we are GCNlive.com. GCN. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I'd prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent prevent disease, not compound it. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond Osteo FX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. (laughs) 
This is our final segment of this week with Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. And you're talking here about Apple teaming up with Nike and have an article about this at the Mac Observer with regard to some new wearable tech. What's this about? So we don't have a lot of detail about what this collaboration is other than that Nike and Apple are working together on new Apple products and that they're working on making wearable fitness tech that is less obtrusive. It's sleeker. The Nike CEO, Mark Parker, he he tossed around the word stealth. When I see stuff like this, I'm like, okay, so we have Apple Watch coming out early 2015. We have Mark Parker talking about this collaboration. That tells me that whatever it is they're working on, we could see something as early as next fall. And, uh, although I don't have a time frame for how long they've been working together on whatever project they have, but I'm I'm going to go with fall. So now we have these companies that are scrambling to try and come up with an Apple Watch competitor, knowing full well that Apple has all these follow-up products that are already in the works, and they can, at best now, only react to what Apple is doing because they're they're in that catch-up phase. So I'm guessing a lot of these companies are a year out from being able to innovate more as opposed to just catch up. That's got to be a scary prospect for for these companies because they know what Apple does when they move into a new space. Everyone has seen what the iPod did. Everyone has seen what the, the iPhone has done. Now, here comes Apple Watch. And I think there's a lot of companies that are that are sweating bullets right now. That's good for the industry from Apple's standpoint. And by the way, speaking of sweating, take a look at the PC industry where sales are declining. And we have these blowout max sales. But the thing I wonder about, I don't know if you've explored this very much, a place like IDC is doing industry analysis, and they always seem to undercut Apple sales. They always seem to report sales or market percentages that are lower than the actual figures. What's going wrong there? I think what's going wrong is the the methodology for collecting this data, interpreting it, and uh, then presenting it. And I, and I think that the big place where the methodology is having a problem is that a lot of these companies, from what I have heard, are not basing their numbers on real world figures. They they had built models and projected out based on those models. And if they deviate from that, it completely screws up their entire system. And then it makes it clear that the data they've provided in the past was basically just kind of guesstimations and uh, and projections. And they can't have that. They're, they're kind of locked into continuing with the numbers that and, and projections that they've already created, even though it may not have any basis on what's really happening in the market. The thing that bothers me very much is the fact that if I was buying the services from IDC or Gartner Group, I'm paying them a lot of money to come up with these figures. And I listen to Apple and I look at their figures and say, you know what, you're getting this wrong. I'm paying you good money for this. Why can't you fix it? Well, I think there's a lot of companies that are paying to get the numbers that they need, which in some cases that that may be exactly what IDC or Gardner gives them. And uh, to be clear, I'm not saying that I think these companies are are like lying. They just have models that that need to move in a in a certain way to keep the clients or get the clients that they want. 
Sure. If you're, if you are someone that needs to, to generate the, the VC that you need or find other investors based on your numbers looking a certain way, and those numbers are coming from IDC, then you're going to pay for that. Well, if you can stay in business and deliver wrong figures, well, more power to it. Let me ask you a question here. What bothers me also is that some of the times you have a lot of these publications pretending to cover the tech industry, and they will quote certain industry analysts who have a very bad track record because of their affiliations or just because they don't do it very well, and they make them credible. And one of those guys is Rob Enderly, who was a really nice guy. I talked to him once on an episode of the Tech Night Out Live some years ago. Really, really nice guy to talk to. Very personable. But just about everything he says is wrong. And when he talks about Apple, we forget that he's worked for Dell. He's worked for Microsoft. He has, unfortunately, relationships there that basically make him unqualified to be an objective observer, aside from the fact that he's always wrong. Why do we pay attention to people like that? We, you and I, we don't pay attention to people like that other than to to know that they're there and to be aware of the things they're saying in case we have to to dole out correct information to to set the record straight. But Rob in specific, he has he has a name. And he does have a reputation that's independent of of his track record. And that reputation is as a guy that you can go to to get these quotes about whatever it is that you want. And that many of the things that he says will be controversial on some level and therefore will be more enticing in whatever piece that that you're working on. So he's very marketable in that way. And he's he's really good at saying the things that he needs to say in ways that are compelling to the general media. So, you know, there, there you go. He has found a really good place for himself in this whole market. The unfortunate side of that is that there are people that will be getting information that may be biased when you're uh, just like general readers. They may be getting information that's biased and they don't realize that they may be getting a message that they think is something other than what's really being presented to them. Or in some cases, they may be getting information that's just that's just simply wrong. Again, the newspapers and magazines and blogs, they don't say, well, this guy made these predictions over the years and 99.9% of the time they were wrong. They don't go back and look. No, P- people have a very short memory when it comes to things like that. They're just looking forward to the next interesting and entertaining bit of information that that they can get. That's unfortunate, but there you go. That's just kind of how a lot of this stuff works. Right. They don't have an institutional memory. They don't go back and look at the history and get the history right. So they might talk about Apple and the problems, and they'll talk about AntennaGate, which was sort of a real problem, but not really because other smartphones had the same problem. They look at Apple's Maps debacle, and it was a problem, but it's a lot better now, but they don't talk about that. They talk about what happened on day one. They don't realize that two years down, things are a whole lot better. Their brains are stuck in some kind of lock mode 
where they're at the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and see, part of this problem is that news has changed over over the years. And, and this, this is no surprise. News has changed over the years from being an unbiased information delivery mechanism to being entertainment. And uh, was it Glenn Fry that did that song in the eighties um, about uh, you know, get the widow on the set? We need dirty laundry. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. Let's wrap it up go. here. Jeff Gamma, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, you can find me over at Mac Observer. So that's MacObserver.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Jay Gamut. And you can also find me at Fresh Brew Tales, where I talk about the fun stuff and weird stuff that I see in, uh, in coffee shops. Coffee shops, huh? All right. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Go to TechNightOwl.com, our vast and growing internet portal where you can find my daily commentaries, find episodes of the show to download, and also check out our famous community forums. And this week on our other show, The Paracast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, will feature Richard Dolan, who will talk about a book called UFOs for the 21st Century Mind. Richard Dolan on The Paracast at Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Out Live. Jeff Gamut, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me on. It's always a blast. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.